Good morning. Oh, no. It's the, every time I come here, okay, we have a, a wooden uh, pulpit that I'm not allowed to move. So it's a, it's a classic public speaking uh, trick. You should always begin a speech by looking like an idiot because you can't uh, do something. So I'm just going to take... Let's do this together. <laughs> Thank you. This is what I mean when I tell my wife, let's, let's do this project together, and then I just watch her do it, and it gets done. So, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's really good to be with you all today. It's difficult as an extrovert to be here, because I want to meet everybody, and I want to say, everybody stand Go around, say your name and your favorite cereal or something, and uh, I'm not able to do that. Uh, but I'm really glad to be with you. Uh, got into town on Friday, got to visit my brother, um, who lives in Waverly, so we got to turn this into a little bit of a, a family trip as well. Uh, my neighbor texted me, and then another neighbor texted my wife on Friday, and uh, said, are you guys all right? Um, what are you talking about? They said, oh, there's a shooting. Um, later that evening, I looked onto Facebook to get more details. Um, it sounds like there's a preteens or young teens involved in a shooting. Uh, they put a switch on their gun. I don't really know anything about guns. That's uh, why so I didn't fit in in Iowa. Uh, but evidently that means that you turn this gun into an automatic weapon, right? And, 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 and there was about one minute of gunfire um, on the intersection at, at north of our block, so, or at the north side of our block. So that was disappointing. Um, and then I'm on the same like crime page and you look and there's this woman um, on my friend's old block who was robbed at gunpoint and then at Cub, the grocery store in the parking lot, there was someone shot in the leg. And then I'm like, all right, let's get out of this crime page. So I refresh the home button, and I see uh, a young man was shot uh, at the same place. So this little girl named Anaya was shot and killed last summer um, on that same block. So um, all this happened in like a four-hour window or something. Um, but there's good news. I, uh, we're having our first church birthday next week. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And it's really cool that you guys have been supporting us for way longer than that. You know, before, like, it was just kind of me talking to random people in North Minneapolis, and, and, and Aaron and the elders here believed in what we were doing and, and saw that it was something special. And um, I'm just so thankful for you guys. One of those people, I met him three years ago. Jameer, he's been down with me one time. Some of you might know him. Um, I said, okay, at our first birthday party, uh, Sunday evening, March 27th, I'm going to ask everybody, how has Northside Neighborhood Church been used by God to change your life in the last year? And I said, Jameer, how would you answer that question? He thought about it for a minute. And he's like, it's given me good people 
the right people to be around. Um, there's a proverb that says, don't go around those who do violence. And we are able to give kids in our neighborhood an alternative um, to these groups that use violence and terrorize our neighborhood. We're able to tell these young men, like, God can use you. Masculinity is not about putting people down, but about building people up. And we're getting to see that. Our, our two churches, Riverwood and Northside Neighborhood Church, have, have different problems. Um, but we have the same hope. Now, I was a, around for the weekend, and um, I played basketball yesterday and, and Friday as well at the W. And um, I also ran into an old um, classmate um, from, from a small school, so from elementary, middle school, and high school. Uh, and I asked probably three or four people, including that classmate, including uh, a couple kids I met at the W. I said, I, I'm here to preach at a church called Riverwood. Have you heard of Riverwood? And, and none of them said yes. I don't say that to discourage you, but to tell you, like, this church is needed in this place now more than ever. Um, when, when I was praying for a church to be started in this neighborhood, and then I can't remember how long later, met Aaron. It's like, yes, thank you, God. You've answered a prayer. That this could be a church in this town that reaches these men, women, children, these college students. And as I met people this weekend and actually spent more time in the town than I, I usually do with non-church people, I'm thinking, there's still a need for Riverwood Church. Both of us have work to do in our neighborhood. And as we work, uh, I, I want to warn us that disunity brings distraction to our work. But unity shows off the gospel's power. We show off this hope of this gospel of Jesus Christ when we're unified in Jesus Christ. When we say, I'm not just a child of grace, but I'm, we're kids of grace. I'm not just an individual who has a personal relationship with Jesus, but I'm part of God's family. And that family is expressed through my local church. And when my neighbors see me worshiping with people who vote differently than me and who maybe look differently than me, they're thinking, why are you together? You can say it's because of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, use your Bible powerfully this morning that the message of Jesus would be heard and would be believed. I pray for the unity of this church. Pray for the people in Waverly and the surrounding towns who don't know you yet. Lord, please bring people into your kingdom and use Riverwood to do it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. That's an old church thing, okay? I got back in the back home for a minute. So. Uh, so the dream was always to plant a church in my own neighborhood. 
um, moved there May 2015. And the fall before, somebody, uh, uh, somebody invited me to be a guest preacher at a Russian-speaking church's monthly English-speaking service. Does that make any sense? So English-speaking service within a Russian-speaking church. So I started to preach monthly there, and then they said, hey, would you help us start an English-speaking group from within this Russian-speaking church? So I did that. Now, in 2014, Russia invaded Ukraine, not like they are today. But in, at this Russian-speaking church, it's not all Russian people. It's a Slavic church. So there's Russians, there's Ukrainians, people from Moldova, Latvia, and they're all worshiping together. This Sunday morning, I think their service starts at 10. They're worshiping together. First Sunday of the month, they take communion. They pass around this, this silver cup. First time I was there, it was a cultural difference for me. I'm like, isn't that going to like spread germs? Like, listen, it's silver. <laughs> it's, it's wine. And we've, we've prayed about it. So there's no way... <laughs> there, there's no way we'll get sick from this, all right? Checks and balances, I guess. So this morning, my friend Nikolai, who's Ukrainian, can worship with Russians. How? How can they remain unified and at peace with one another in the church? People say, wow, you know, you got white people in your church, black people. How, how do you do that? I'm like, this is nothing compared to what Slavic churches <laughs> overcome. We live in a divided time in the United States. I believe we should be taking notes from our Slavic brothers and sisters this morning. So look to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29 to see what Jesus did to unify people across nationalistic and ideological bounds and, most importantly, to God himself. This morning, um, I've been told I have ADHD, uh, so I don't really care about order that much. So let's start with verse 27, and then we'll go back to 26. Uh, toward the end. So I think, and I think looking at it that way is going to give us a clearer picture of what 26 is talking about. Look at verse 27. So chapter 3, big number 3, verse 27, little number 27. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I think it's going to be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, uh, I'm pretty sure River would, would like to give you a Bible. And uh, Verse 27. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. I'm using a little bit different translation called the Christian Standard Bible. Um, sorry, but if you're thinking this doesn't line up, that's what it is. It's just slightly different. So verse 27, for those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So a couple summers ago, I was working from my front porch and a teenage girl comes up to me and she says, are you a pastor? I said, yes. She said, I'd like to get baptized. So I, our church doesn't have an office because I wouldn't stay in the office anyway because I like people too much. Uh, 
So I worked for the front porch. I'd like to get baptized. I've never met this girl. I'm like, yes, okay, 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 come sit down, come sit down. You know, I, I wipe the leaves off my, uh, what, porch furniture or whatever. Let's, let's have a conversation. And as we sat down and started talking, she told me that she'd been baptized a few times already. She was in need of like a spiritual cleansing, of like a spiritual shower almost. See, this girl had a confused understanding of baptism. Baptism is not something you need to do over and over again to make you a better you. Baptism is a representation of an event that doesn't need to be repeated. So at your baptism, maybe you've already been baptized. Maybe you haven't been baptized yet. But at your baptism, what are you saying? More importantly, at your baptism, what is the Lord saying? At your baptism, you are declaring that when Jesus died, he died for your sins. At your baptism, God is declaring that you wholly, that you completely, from head to toe, belong to him. You have been clothed with Christ. You have put on Christ. This is so much different than what we're told Christianity is about so often. We're told that Christianity is basically a self-improvement program. I'm glad church works for you. But don't come to church just to be a better you. The message of the gospel is that all who trust in Christ have been covered with Jesus' righteousness. Though we've all sinned, we are kids of grace. We stand righteous as dearly loved children of God. Those who trust in Christ have experienced the great exchange. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He, God, made the one, that's Jesus, who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So I'm stealing this from an old pastor of mine, old as in he used to be my pastor and he's a little old, um, Steve Treichler. So imagine you made zero dollars last year. Some of you don't have to imagine, maybe. Imagine your spouse made a million dollars. At tax time, you file what? Married filing jointly. So when in the IRS's eyes, how much money did you make last year? A million dollars. Why? Because you're united to your spouse. So I see kids here. Taxes are boring. If someone doesn't think taxes are boring, they're boring. <laughs> do, do you like football or basketball more? You. You right there. Yeah. Basketball. Okay, you, you, do you watch the Bucks when the when the finals? Did you watch the Milwaukee Bucks win the finals? You like college basketball? Kind of. Okay, I'm going to talk about the Bucks anyway. Okay, so last year the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals. All right, you know who their best player is? You know who their best player is? No. Oh my goodness, you didn't think you were going to be quizzed by basketball at church. 
ADHD. That's not in my sermon. Okay. Their best player is Giannis. Okay. Can't say his last name. All right. I care about what sport you like too. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. So the Milwaukee Bucks, the best team in the league, even though my Timberwolves beat them by over 20 last night, but Giannis was hurt. Okay. (laughs) Best team in the league. And a couple weeks before the end of the season, they come up to you and they say, we want you on our team. You're like, if you're like me, you're like, no, 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 no. I can't add anything to your team. Like, I'm not good. I mean, I'm good. I just went to the W and played eighth graders yesterday. <laughs> Huge for my self-esteem. <laughs> you're like me. You're like, no, no, no. I can't add anything to your team. Listen, we want you anyway. And so you sit up at the end of the bench for the Bucks when they win the finals. What are you? You're an NBA champion. A few months later, you get a ring, a championship ring. Why? Because you're on the team, yes. You're united to Giannis. (laughs) You're united to that team. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus are united to him. The punishment for our sins was left on the cross, and now we get to glory in our right standing before God. It's not about what we've brought to the team, but what Christ has brought to us, and we are included in that. Verse 28, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or female, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in this church, you have differences. Um, there's probably more ethnic differences than we realize because a few generations ago, most of our grandparents stopped caring about um, where they're from, um, which makes St. Patrick's Day less fun, by the way. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of differences of opinion, I would, I would imagine, even though it's not an election year, so we're all nicer to each other. So did Jesus die on the cross twice? So, so, so for, right, no. So for my church, right, did he die on the cross? Okay, he died for the Irish people, then he died for the Korean people, then he died for the people from, you know, whose ancestors are from Africa, then he died for, you know, my Scandinavian wife. No, 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 no. Jesus died once for the sins of all who trust in him, whether Jewish or Gentiles. Gentiles? just means everybody who isn't born in the Jewish line that traces back to Abraham. There are no second-class Christians. God does not take ethnicity, socioeconomic factors, or sex into account when he considers who is in his family. Neither your ethnicity, your sex, which, by the way, is a better word than gender. We can talk about that later. Nor your bank account can keep you from God's love. The question is not, Where are you from, or what do you look like, or how much money did you make last year? The question is, do you believe that I died for you and that I love you? This verse means that we can be family. This verse means that our differences don't have to divide us. Because at the cross, Jesus has done all that needs to be done to reconcile us to the Father and to one another. This isn't to say... It's where we get in trouble. This isn't to say that our differences should be disregarded. Right? We don't need to pretend to all be the same. 
It'd be very boring. Do you, do you want proof that God loves diversity? He created marriage. Man and woman. Sorry for the hand analogy, okay? It's not appropriate. Different, not opposites, but different, yet unified. That was God's, one of his first creation. And when we celebrate marriage, by the way, we celebrate diversity. And that's one of the most beautiful things about marriage. God created some of us with dark skin and some of us with light skin and some of us with extremely pale skin because our differences are beautiful. As a church, Riverwood gets to enjoy one another's differences because your differences no longer threaten you. I don't need the people in my church to be an Irish guy from Iowa. We get to enjoy our backgrounds and our uniqueness while also enjoying the uniqueness of our brothers and sisters in the church. So during February, we preach a, a, a sermon series that, uh, where we recognize Black History Month. I think, man, you know what? I'm going to take one for Ireland. And then we did last week about St. Patrick. We get to learn more about one another's backgrounds, one another's uniqueness, we get to enjoy our differences because our differences aren't a threat to us anymore. The wisdom of God is so sweet. He made us family when the world says that we have no business being family. Brothers and sisters, what would it look like for Riverwood to hang tightly onto our unity in Christ? There is so much temptation to divide. Say no to it. Say no to the temptation to divide over anything but Christ and live in unity. When Riverwood lives like a unified church family, which you are doing, but can do more, I believe many in Waverly will see you and we'll turn around and glorify our Heavenly Father. So now look to verse 26. Then we're going to jump up to 29. For those of you who like order, Aaron is preaching next week, I'm sure. <laughs> verse 26. For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. Now 29, little number 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So we were saved at one cross and are therefore now one church. Verse 26 says that we're all sons of God. And verse 29 says we are therefore going to be inheritors of God's promise. So what's an inheritance? Anybody know? Kids know what's an inheritance? What's an inheritance? Yeah. Yeah. Don't smile so much when you say inheritance next to your mom, okay? <laughs> don't don't look too excited. 
<laughs> right. So it's when your parents give you money or something valuable or both. God promises his children an inheritance. But, but before we look at inheritance more, why does it say we're all sons? Why doesn't it say sons and daughters? Well, in the culture that the Apostle Paul was writing to, daughters were not the recipients of an inheritance. It was the sons who were inheritors. Certainly, it was unlikely for slaves to inherit anything from their masters, or at least anything too good from their masters. So maybe as this letter is being read in the church at Galatia, the women and those in slavery were wondering, am I eligible to inherit anything from God my Father? And Paul makes sure to make it clear that all who trust in Jesus are inheritors. We are all sons, meaning we are all inheritors of the Father who lacks nothing. So what are we inheriting? We're inheriting the whole earth and life with our wonderful God and all of our brothers and our sisters from every time in history and every nation. There won't be any sin, there won't be any evil, there won't be any suffering anymore when God comes down to give us our inheritance. One of the most important things we can do You guys know that when kids cry in church, it's one of the best sounds in the world? You know why? Because it means the gospel is going to the next generation. Kids are never, ever, ever a distraction in church. Sometimes a little bit. <laughs> my first memory, like, so many of my friends have, have left Jesus. Um, maybe like 78% is stat, I don't know, make-up numbers of kids who, who leave the church, um, who grow up in the church, who leave the church. Um, my memories of church were people smiling at me, were old men giving me mints, um, was, was sleeping next to my grandmother, I love church. And I think a big reason for that is that the people in the church have loved me since I have my earliest memories. Wouldn't it be great if the kids from Riverwood could be 29 and stand up here and tell, tell another church that? ADHD, huh? Still waiting to get assessed. Maybe I have another problem. I don't know. One important thing we can do is look ahead to our inheritance. So Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, 
and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, write, W-R-I-T-E, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers, listen now, the one who conquers, the one who believes in Jesus through the end, the one who stands firmly in the gospel to the end, the one who conquers, the one who's on the team when they win the championship, the one who conquers will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. I have three points of application from today's sermon. Three takeaways from this sermon that we, my church, and y'all at Riverwood, you all, sorry I'm in Iowa, you all can begin practicing right away. One, trust completely in Jesus' work on the cross. Don't seek your identity anywhere else, at least not your primary identity. This is a huge temptation for our youth today. To, to, to find their identity and mostly in the color of their skin or mostly in who they're attracted to or in something else. Don't seek your identity anywhere else. Go all in on following the one who died for you. I am a Christian. Jesus died for my sins and he rose and I expect to live with him forever. I am a child of the Most High God. That's my identity. Make it yours. Two, recognize that Jesus died and rose for others in the church, including those who are different from you. So Jesus died for those who make less money than you and more money than you. Um, growing up, we didn't look too much down on people who made less money, but we did actually look down on people who made more money. But Jesus died for those who make less money than me and more money than me. Jesus died for members of the opposite sex. Don't be a man-hater or a misogynist. There's so much temptation. My wife and I had this conversation four years ago where we realized, wow, there's like real temptation to, div to divide male and female. Who has it worse, you know? My wife didn't say this, but, you know, we make 70 cents out of the dollars. You, that's, that's arbitrary, you know. <laughs> Don't fall for it. You know, we talk a lot about unity in, in the church among different ethnicities, but not enough about unity, male and female. We get to be brothers and sisters. I have sisters in the church. I think that's one reason why Jesus said not to lust, because when we lust, we're, we're, it's more difficult to work alongside my sisters in, in, in the work of the kingdom. What would it look like for Riverwood, male and female, working class, middle class, upper class? Is that what they're called? What would it look like for them to live as brothers and sisters in this new family? Three, Jesus died for those who look differently than you. We must love one another. 
You know how rare it is in our neighborhood back in, in Minneapolis to see a person go into the home of a person from a different ethnicity? Like the, the Hmong people go into the Hmong people's homes, the black people go into the black people's homes. We white people, for some reason, don't usually have any visitors. We just watch TV a lot, I think. What divides do you notice in your town? This would be a good follow-up conversation to have as a church and with your brothers and sisters at Riverwood. Write that down if you take notes. I don't take notes. But if you take notes, what divides do you notice in your town? And have that conversation together. When you live as a unified church family, I believe many will see you and turn around and glorify our Father. Lastly, three. Three. Look forward to our coming inheritance. Eternal life is real. Live like it. Three ways we can live like eternal life is real. One, be courageous. Because even if you die, you are a promised life that lasts forever. We talk a lot about being safe and staying safe. We don't talk enough about be, be courageous. What does it look like to be courageous? Two, be generous because you have wealth in heaven. You don't need to hoard your money. Be wise with your money. But part of being wise with your money is realizing that eternal life is real and there's lots of wealth in heaven. You can share with those in need because your inheritance that is coming to you is far greater than all the cash in the world. Three, Say no to temptation because the pleasures of heaven are greater. C.S. Lewis wrote, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart so you can see his glory, so you can see that he is better than wealth, he is better than sin, he is a life, and in him we can find our purpose for existence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good that you would choose sinners to make sons. You are so good that you can provide forgiveness for all who trust in you. Lord, I pray for the person who doesn't know you yet this morning. Maybe they think there's a God, but they haven't really put their trust in you. I pray that you would work in their heart this morning. I pray uh, for the children here that they would grow up loving your church and believing that you are good because they've seen so much goodness in your church. I pray for the person here doubting that you love them. Lord, would you fill them with an awareness of your love for them? I pray for... I pray against divisions in this church. 
keep this church unified. Lastly, I pray for all those who don't know you in this city. Bring people into your family and use this church to do it. By your spirit and through our words, make the good news of Jesus that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, make them clear so that more people might know the love of you, Heavenly Father. And all God's people said,